so that you can take your stand against the devil's evil schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground. So, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled about your waist. You've read the Bible and spent time with God, so you're sure of God's truth. Are you ready to stand firm in that truth? It takes time to put on the armor of God. <laughs> All right, the breastplate of righteousness. You know that you are right before God because you have trusted in him. So put on that breastplate of righteousness. Ah, that will work. Okay. <laughs> Your feet need to be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Are you ready to share Jesus with all you meet? Will you be God's light today? Just be careful of those shoestrings. <laughs> all right, well, you're not ready yet. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Are you ready to stand firm in your faith? Can you trust God that he is in control today no matter what happens? And don't forget the helmet of salvation. You can rejoice that you have been saved. <laughs> Thank goodness the real um, belt of truth is more stable, isn't it? <laughs> All right. Um, let's see, we have the helmet of salvation. We're rejoicing that we are saved. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In order to use God's Word as a sword, we need to read it, think about it, and even memorize it. And don't forget to pray throughout the day. Now you look ready for the day. Doesn't look too ready to me. I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. All right, well, now I guess you are ready for the day. <laughs> That's what I like to see. Fully invested in the role. Great job, guys. Appreciate that reminder of the armor of God. So this morning, uh, I'd like to invite the uh, pastors and my lovely wife, Shirley, to come forward. Um, we were, the, the pastors decided to have a special service today. We're going to spend some time of reflection and thanksgiving as we prepare our hearts uh, for the th our Thanksgiving uh, celebrations later this week. So we're going, to have, we're going to have folks come up on the stage, and we are going to share reflections um, from um, over the past, you know, things that we've read that generate a, uh, Thanksgiving in our heart, things that have impacted us over the past year, and we'll just take a moment here and set up the stage, and then we will kick things off. So, Mike.
quite possibly. It may be a while. Just some thoughts here. I was, I was just having a quiet time and reading through a little devotional. And uh, uh, there in John 12, I just invite you to turn your Bible with me if you've got it with you to John 12. You're really going to get a, uh, a shepherd's pie this morning. A lot, of, a lot of things all mixed in together. But this will finish out our Ephesians series. Uh, we'll, we'll have a panel next week to discuss uh, some applications from that and look back on Ephesians. But, um, but this morning, just take a minute here. And as we get ready for Thanksgiving, some thoughts came to mind here about uh, giving thanks and, and how we can tune our hearts into what the Lord's doing. So I uh, invite you there in John 12. We will spend some time in John uh, after the first of the year. We're planning a series in John to look at the promises of Jesus, the I am's of Jesus. I am the way, the truth, the life. I am the living water. I'm the living bread, bread from heaven, um, these kind of things uh, based in the, in the gospel of John for first of the year. And then that will take us up through Easter. So we're looking forward to first of the year and getting started in that. But if you want to get a head start, start reading in the book of John. It's, it's my favorite, and uh, it'll richly reward you, I'm sure. But uh, some thoughts here from John 12. It said, Jesus, therefore, um, six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany at the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor, and Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. And just thinking that through a little bit, you know, as we, as we prepare to gather on Thursday and, and share a meal together with the ones that we love and care for, that um, it just, it, it struck me that, you know, in much the same way, uh, uh, we've been raised from the dead, haven't we? We've been given new life. And, and to be able to just rest and recline in the presence of Jesus, to be... Uh, let me read it here for you out of my translation in New American Standard. It said, Jesus, therefore, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And they made him a supper there. And Martha was serving, but Lazarus was reclining at the table with them. A little bit different spin on it there, that reclining at the table. And you get this picture of this close fellowship that, that Lazarus was a friend of Jesus. And he's spending time with this man, Jesus, who had wept over his corpse. You know, if you go back a few chapter, or one chapter there in, in, in John 11, Jesus had wept over his friend who had died, and yet he raised him back to life. And uh, so I just invite you, as this Thanksgiving rolls around, and you spend time with the people that you love and care for, that you also spend some time with Jesus, reclining at his table, and thinking about his claim on your life and my life, uh, just resting in his presence. You know, I think I was thinking of you, Angela. Uh, I, I just need to spend some time with Jesus, you know, and, and, and how true that is for all of us. Thank you, Mike. Um, appreciate that. Appreciate those thoughts. Appreciate that image of the resurrected Lazarus actually enjoying fellowship with Jesus. Um, next, I'd like to introduce Pastor David DeGlow. He is joining us remote today, and he is going to share something on his heart as well. So, David? Hello, everyone. Hi. Welcome. 
I'm not sure. Is my video up? Or yeah, it looks like maybe my video's up. Everyone's turning. There we go. <laughs> so hello. Um, one of the things that oh, this is great. Now I'm looking at myself in the living room. I'm sorry. I had to enjoy some of this. Um, so one of the things that um, our our life group has been working through is Daniel, and uh, there's a lot of meat there in Daniel. And it certainly, as we're working towards the later chapters and looking into it. It's amazing to see the depth at which God kind of shows us in his word, the things that um, he has ahead for us and, and, and the things that he wants to share with us. But what struck me was um, the powerful steps and the moments in Daniel are really where there's a, there's a simplicity and just an enjoyment of the relationship, kind of what Mike was just sharing about that relationship um, with God. And it's not, you know, it's not about a hokey religion and, and ancient blasters. It's about um, a relationship. And so um, during my uh, devotional, um, I was getting into First uh, John 4. And so I'm going to read a little bit of that with you guys right now. Um, I'm picking up uh, in verse 7 here. It says, Beloved, let us know one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this the love in this the love of God was manifest towards us that God has sent his only forgotten begotten son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. And, uh, so when I when I was reading that, and I'd encourage you to keep reading First uh, John four there. If if Mike's encouragement is to um, to read John, maybe we maybe we could start in First John because it says first. Um, but so what um, what I think is just awesome is just to realize that the gospel is that simple that it is love, and that's what we're called to put on ourselves. And I'm thinking about. John Toner's message that he shared a couple of weeks ago about how we share the gospel with ourselves daily and and just in order to do that. But then as we gather around this table and it says uh, in verse 11 that we ought to love one another, but but the simplicity of sharing the gospel just means sharing that love. And so we don't have to let it be some big intimidating thing that we can just um, share love and and know that we're sharing the gospel and let that be um, the first thing that speaks, and then go from there as we as we meet together as a family, or or with maybe some extended family, or if we're zooming uh, over a distance with some of your family members, just to be able to share the love and and that um, that affirmation that we have ourselves and that joy. Amen. Thank you, David and Laura and associated and the sundry children that were on the tel- on the screen here for us. It's cool we're able to join you guys. In your home. I appreciate that image of us being together as families and friends um, on Thanksgiving and loving one another. That's, that's, a, that's a precious image, and I appreciate that, David. Um, for myself, I think Shirley and I, Shirley's going to share um, some too here in a moment. And I think one of the things that's been brought to my mind over and over again over uh, this past year um, is when we thank God. Uh, can we thank him for things that we don't like? It's, it's easy to thank him for things that we're happy about and we're encouraged by and good news and different things like that. But in, in Job chapter 2, as Job is adjusting to all the shocks to his life, he says, 
you know, shall we accept good from the hand of the Lord and not bad? Or some translations say, shall we accept good from the hand of the Lord and not evil? And I won't pretend to understand the depth of what that means. And some of you have faced some truly horrific things in your life. And it's not easy to contemplate what it means to say, thank you, God, for something bad that has happened to me. So my, my, my goal, as I've thought about this morning and I've thought about this past year, is not to belittle the pain and the suffering that we go through in our lives, but to think what it means for me and my heart to submit myself to God so fully that I can genuinely say, Lord, thank you for the bad things that have happened to me. Thank you for the things I don't want. I am grateful for the things and the blessings and the, and the many good things that he's given me, starting with his son, Jesus. But I've been trying to exercise, and at times it's just a discipline of saying, Lord, thank you for this the bad thing that happened. And it changes my heart. It changes my heart. It changes my view of God. It changes my view of my circumstances. And it changes my view of the people around me as well. So with that, I'd like to let my lovely wife share some thoughts from, from her journal. Okay. Do I need this one? Um, so I was thinking about um, this last year and just the myriad of blessings that God has bestowed even just on our family. Some people on the outside looking would say, oh, (laughs) you had kind of a hard year. But it's just neat to go back and see God's hand throughout the whole year and to be thankful for all the little blessings and the ways that God has come through for us time and again. He's never, he's trustworthy. Um, Thinking back Um, This year really for us started um, around December of last year. This is um, a journal I wrote on January 19th, thinking about some things that had happened, and this was before COVID even hit. Um, For Christmas this last year, we got bed bugs. (laughs) Actually, it was an early Christmas present. About the time I was realizing how little time I had to get ready for Christmas, my mom went into the hospital and we found bed bugs. In my mom's hospital room, waiting to hear a diagnosis, which was a mini stroke and surgery on a clogged artery. Talking on the phone to Dave, he tells me we need to put all the material items in bags and on the back porch. And we need to take everything to the laundromat to wash, dry, and put back in the bags. And then live out of the bags for two weeks, which was over Christmas time and faith walkers. And I'm a collector, so there was a lot of bags. Plus, all the furniture needed to be moved away from the wall and pictures taken down. I have lots of pictures on my walls. It was our gargantuan task. Plus, I still had Christmas and getting ready for Faith Walkers Jr. to get ready for being so overwhelmed. I did cry for an entire day. But in the midst of this all, God was there. God cared. With my mom in the hospital, people actually brought us meals. So God was gracious to have bed bugs and mom in the hospital at the same time because we could focus on one thing and not have to worry about food. Friends came to help 
move and prepare the house for treatment. And during those long hours at the laundromat, my lovely children, all of them adults now, anyhow, um, graciously and even cheerfully helped. I felt like the time drew us closer together as a family. After the treatment with our attic empty, my husband and kids put in insulation in the attic and shelving in the rafters. My daughter and, and her husband undertook painting and reupholstering a few of the rooms. Then COVID hit, and we got, um, we were stuck in the house, and one of the people living with us was not a Christian. We, he lived with us for six months, sharing Jesus with us. He didn't leave a Christian, but he left with, hopefully, a heart full of God's love. And during that time, I got painting done that I'd been planning on doing for 14 years. So God just has, there's so many little ways that God has shown his hand, and his hand is always loving and kind. Sometimes you just have to look through the chaos around you to see God's hand. But look, it's there. He's there. Thank you, my love. Good job. Appreciate that. Agree with you 100%. She, she's faced this, this past year with a lot of, uh, after the tears, well, there's been multiple episodes of tears, but she's faced it with good cheer. And uh, she's done a great job. So, Steve, so glad to see you here with us today. And uh, we are very much looking forward to um, having you share with us as well. If you'll all excuse me, I'm going to remain seated. I first wanted to tell you that this November 27th, I turned 70 years old. And so all my family's coming home to celebrate my birthday. The first arrivals... The first arrivals are my Floridians. John and Katie drove all the way and got here one thirty this morning. That's not the time they got to bed, I know, because I heard John Luke a little after 2 o'clock. But they made it this morning. Welcome, you guys. It's good to have you. But uh, when Dave called me and asked me if I had anything to share, the first thought that went to my mind was no. But then the next thought that came to my mind was, about a, a talk that I heard several months ago on economic disturbance. And as I thought about it, I thought, you know, life is full of disturbances. So I wanted to share and just kind of bring all of our minds to think about what we're going through in life. And I wrote some thoughts down. Google defines disturbance as the interruption of a settled and peaceful condition. We're kind of going through that now with COVID-19. Interruption. This um, talk that I listened to, the, the man opened up his talk by showing a slide of a street in New York City in 1900. And it's just packed jam full of horse-drawn carriages. 
And in the middle of that mess, there's one automobile. You can't see it, so he has to circle it so you can see it in that mess. Then he shows another picture of a street in New York City in 1930. This picture shows the street packed jam full of automobiles and there's one horse-drawn carriage. And again, you can't find it, so he has to circle it. And he was just bringing our attention to what happens when there's a disturbance like that. You just think of all the people who were employed manufacturing horse-drawn carriages, and wheels and bridles and all the stuff that goes with a horse-drawn carriage. Now all of a sudden, in a short 30 years, there's hardly any, it's all automobiles, a totally different machine. And he goes on to share about several other disturbances and then projects some that he sees coming in the future. So it was a very interesting talk. But as I thought about it, I thought, you know, life is full of disturbances. And if we don't think about it and approach it correctly, it's going to mess up our life. So thought that I was thinking about was in the Bible, there's several disturbances that were pretty significant. One of them was the nation of Israel when they were let out of Egypt by Moses. It was quite a disturbance of, well, really for Egypt and Israel as that happened. Israel went out into the desert thinking that they were going to the promised land. They really thought it was going to be a short trip. It ended up being 40 years plus another 40. So they really had a big disturbance in their life. Next thought I had was Joshua leading the Israelites into the promised land. Again, another pretty significant disturbance because they had to become armies and attack and take over the land. Another disturbance that lasted for many years. Third one I thought of was David being appointed king and then fleeing from King Saul for a number of years. Again, not knowing how long King or Saul would remain king. Some think it was probably about seven years that David fled from King Saul. So again, quite a disturbance. But down to earth, we've all experienced disturbances. Not many of us have faced things like they, these guys did. But something that I wrote down was leaving home for the first time, having to get a job to make your rent and pay your bills. Some of you are going to face that in a little while. That's a disturbance because it never changes after that. Another disturbance I thought was losing your job or losing a family member or living through a life-threatening pandemic. 
we're all going through that now. Or being diagnosed with a life-altering cancer or disease. Most of you know that last April I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. It's nothing that can be cured at this point anyway. And it's get, it gets worse as time goes on. But what do you do when these things happen? Some of us, the nice thing about Parkinson's is that I know it's for good. I, don't, I know it's not something I can fight and get through. But for something like COVID, we don't know the end of this. We sometimes think it's going to be short. But what do we do when these disturbances hit us in life? One way that we tend to respond is we get anxious and worried and we fret over it. And I was thinking about a verse where God says, if I can get to it here, it says, the worries of the world enter and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. I was thinking, what a disaster to allow this pandemic or any disturbance that we go through in life to cause us to worry because it chokes the word and as a result it becomes unfruitful in our lives. We can't stand that. We can't allow our lives to become affected by worry. We need to have the fruit of God's word. Another thought that I had is that we just want things to go back to normal. You know, we just can't wait till things go back to the way it used to be. Well, you know, the Egyptians, they pretty well made it clear that the Israelites were never coming back. The Israelites had to find a new life because they never returned to normal. It was a new normal. David really never found a new normal because even throughout his life as king, he was hated, he was attacked, he was plotted against. So he never really went back to normal. So what do we do? I thought of another verse in First Peter 5 where God says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So instead of worry, we need to pray. We need to tell the Lord what our burdens are, what our fears, anxieties, all that. But then instead of being afraid or worried, I think, number one, we need to give thanks, as these brothers have shared. As we give thanks and think of things we're thankful for, it's amazing how the clouds clear up. We just need to remember all of God's blessings. But then I think we need to embrace today. We need to embrace where we're at and say, okay, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to respond to this. Because if we respond incorrectly, it's going to affect who knows how many years. So we want to respond correctly. 
the closing verse I just thought of as I was thinking through this is where God was commanding Joshua to take the troops into the promised land. He said, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be afraid. For the Lord your God is with you. And even today I was thinking, you know, I think if I was one of those soldiers getting ready to go in and attack this promised land where I'd been told they were giants in the land, it would have really been hard for me to keep my knees from trembling. And yet God told Joshua, do not tremble or be afraid. So in light of what we're going through, we should not tremble or be afraid. Because we got to know the Lord our God is with us. That's all I had to say. Amen. Thank you, Steve. I thought we could just spend a few moments here in prayer. Lord, we thank you for our brother Steve. We thank you for the years and years of service he's given to this church. For your kindness poured out in his life, for his children, his grandchildren. For the example and husband and father and grandfather he is when he... We just rejoice of who Steve Miller is. We give you praise today that he, he honors you even with a life-threatening diagnosis of Parkinson's. He turns to you and praises you and thanks you for his salvation. He thanks you that you're his God. A remarkable example of thankfulness. Lord, we give you thanks today. Thank you for your church. We look forward to a day when there will be no more mourning or crying or pain. We look forward to the day when we can trade in these weak, earthly bodies for heavenly ones. We look forward to a day of being with you. And uh, thank you for our brother. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, brothers and sisters, for joining us up here on the stage today. While the worship team comes back up, let's just take a moment of silent prayer. Just encourage you to think of a couple of things while you're praying. Think of something that you're grateful for and you're thankful for and you want to you praise God for. Think of something that's difficult and by an act of devotion or obedience or discipline that you want to offer it up to God and say, thank you, God. This stinks, but thank you, God. And think of someone, think, think of what this... Um, this Thursday may bring, when you're gathered with, fam with family and friends, and think about how am I going to love the people that I'm with? So let's just take a few moments and pray silently on those things, and then we'll close with a final song. Father, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the salvation you've given us. Thank you for the gift of your spirit. Thank you for the gift of fellowship. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the commission that you've given us to share your word, to share your love with the world around us. I pray, Father, <clears throat> my heart would be soft before you. My heart would be grateful for the blessings you give. My heart would be trusting and thankful in spite of difficult things. I pray that I would be focused on the people around me and how I can show your love, not my love, but how I can show your love to them. Thank you that we can do this together as brothers and sisters in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.